0: Hey everyone i'd like to welcome you to the show and just remind everyone that we have shirts in the shop go to pgttcm.com you can pick up shirts stickers we even have those shower curtains i was talking about last time also you can join us on patreon and get a free sticker check out the show notes and learn how you can be a part of people's guide to the cthulhu mythos Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, help support the show any way you can. Patreon users, uh, you get a free sticker, at least. So check out what we've got. Uh, Show Notes, that's where you're going to find our PayPal link and our sponsors and any information about any guests that are on the show and where to find them. Thank you. You're listening to KZOM, only public radio. Radio. Radio Once more, we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Awe, true to Kaisar and blessed Saturnalia. How art thou, Davidicus? Oh, man, that's...
1: Well, I am...
0: Good, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, that was a terrible opening, but I'm not going to re-record it. Dave, how, how's, how's, how's
1: it? It's not it, it the opening
0: that Oleander wants. It's the opening Oleander needs. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and speaking of Oleander, how has your holiday in Oleander been, Dave?
1: It has been
0: cold. Cold, yeah. We uh, you know the uh
1: you know that of course uh, fog is caused by uh, ghost pirates ghost pirates yes yes and snow is caused by ghost sasquatch
0: okay uh we've had quite a bit of ghost sasquatch around as of late cuz we have 6 inches of snow out here in the cemetery uh, mm. which which you know isn't too bad it looks great it just it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm going to try and get some photography later if I can find my old black and white camera from college. And, uh, yeah, um, how, how, how did uh, how did uh, gift exchanges go at uh, the Dave household at the Dave farm?
1: It went, 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 went well. Yeah. Uh, we exchanged the goats. We gave them grain and raisins. And they exchanged milk and
0: poop. Oh, right! That sounds like a good, uh, good exchange. of happens every day, but we little heavier on the raisins. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. As long as you don't get the raisins and the poop confused. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You don't have rabbits? Uh, yeah, that's cool. I uh, I had a really uh, super fun holiday with the family. I got uh, Sarah a uh, lid for her. Uh, Instapot that turns it into a, what do you call it? a air fryer. But what I think is really oh. cool is I can put it on top and then finish off stuff that I was cooking in the Instapot and like grill the top of stuff. So that's super cool. Uh, D&D books for kids and uh, it's gotten um, Barbara Koa reading like crazy and telling me what his next couple D&D characters are going to be and then I informed him you know, the great thing about being a dungeon master is all these cool ideas you have for heroes, you can then turn into heroes and villains that you can use whenever you want, because you just have that power to boom, bring in someone new and he's like oh wow I didn't even thought about that and Dusseldorf I got her a bunch of calico critters that were ninja babies so the calico critters that she has normally they, they, they're continuing to go on their camping trips and their picnics and baking and stuff like that but every once in a while a trio of ninja babies come and mess everything up so you know and
1: everything goes better with baby ninja everything
0: goes better with baby ninja especially if you have a baby ninja chipmunk and a baby, what is it? It's a baby bear, a chipmunk, and a rabbit. If anyone knows about calico critters, I, I, I kind of know that there's like little woodland families that come with all these various play sets. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I got nothing for Christmas because I ain't been nothing but bad. I actually Uh-oh. got a new pair of boots and a flannel shirt. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 how the holidays went around uh, over at the Spitzer household.
1: Well, that sounds like a very not Norman Rockwell, no. but, but not not uh, uh, Hieronymus Bosch uh, holidays. So you know,
0: yeah, yeah. It was fine. it was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah. So. This week we are talking about cults, cults of the Cthulhu mythos. And Dave, do, do you have a favorite cult of the Cthulhu mythos?
1: You know, I'm not sure if "favorite" is is the word. <laughs> uh, I'll say the first one though I think of is probably the Esoteric Order of the of Dagon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: and which is kind of like Masonic Cthulhu Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know we're talking about it a little bit Uh, you know there's probably only about five or six organized cults that Lovecraft
0: Describe Sure, yeah. To yeah. varying degrees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what is your favorite cult? Oh, my favorite cult is uh, Louisiana Swamp Cult. I'm a big fan yeah, of, no, of a, swamp cults. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really am a fan of their depiction in the, uh, H. P. Lovecraft Historical Society's The Call of Cthulhu motion picture, um, but no 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 I've i always that was,
1: that was that was I believe like two people there was a yeah. male cultist and a female cultist and then they just CGI them so actually like two actors. I think it and was a few like more
0: there's than like that. Hundreds of them. Yeah, I think it was a few more than just two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, they, they superimpose. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 an amazing thing. Um, I th- but I do think it was a little bit more than two, um, unless it was just two actors that they switched the outfits on, and then then I definitely believe it was two. But yeah, no, no. It was a uh, a digital effect that I first saw in Young. Uh, Adventure, the adventures of young Indiana Jones, where Indiana Jones was surrounded by a bunch of bandits. Anyway, we are not talking about cultists. We're, I mean, we are talking about cultists. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's let's stay on topic. <laughs> so, uh, what what would you say are uh, the major cults that Lovecraft came up with?
1: Well, so first of all, we have the the nameless cult in Vestal. Hmm. Hmm. And that's sort of you know it's called these were just on the surface, mm-hmm. very normal looking, you know, farmers. I believe festival takes place out of Kingsport, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they they just worship this flame underground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have we have that. We have the the Cthulhu cult we have of louisiana yeah we also have in call of Cthulhu we have a, a sort of a related maybe cult uh, is the sailors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the sailors who have access to you know the uh, the islands of panope mm-hmm. and we also have uh, the church of the Starry wisdom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have then uh, the Order of the Dagon. Mm-hmm. But then we've got people like, um, like yeah, the Wheatleys, yeah. yeah. The, 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 where if they could get converts,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: they would be a cult. Sure. But they're this—they're they're not able to grow.
0: Yeah, I feel like in the past they had more people, but that shrank as, as uh, the hills ran less wild.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of you can kind of break Lovecraftian cults. You have this sort of very primitive, mm-hmm. sort of very, very primitive people who live out in the wilderness, who are very. And I'm saying this nicer than Lovecraft is, yeah. but very close to nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. They're not very techno they're very they've held on to these old pre-Christian ways. Sure, yeah. And in some ways, they are not, they don't want to be part of the society. Mm-hmm. Or they blend in perfectly the society. Yeah. And then the other kind of, of aspect of cults that Lovecraft creates mm-hmm. are are these pseudo-Masonic based societies. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that Lovecraft was not a Mason. Mm-hmm. His father, we discussed this last week, as a salesman, his father might have been, but I don't think he was a very devout Mason. Yeah. Uh, but but Lovecraft would have, in New York, and I'm sure also in Providence, would have seen Masonic temples. Mm-hmm. They would have known there would have been prominent people. So oh, he, sure. He may not have known much about, um, you know, fraternal societies, but they, they were pretty popular in the 20s. You know, the Odd Fellows, and and so he would have known about them. So, I think that Starry Wisdom and the Order of the Dagon, Esoteric Order of Dagon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: were inspired. I don't know anywhere he wrote that down, but they're very they they come off very um fraternal societies yeah yeah and it, it, here's the interesting thing mm-hmm. they both are in abandoned Christian churches
0: yeah yeah that's that is interesting that is interesting um
1: that's... And, and Lovecraft of course was was an atheist mm-hmm. but at the same point he kind of vaguely respected Christianity in the fact that it gave the masses morality. Mm-hmm. If they weren't smart and advanced like him, they wouldn't need it. But he felt that, you know, it was better, people believing in religion was better than, you know, running around over overpopulating the world. Sure. Uh, and so... Uh, but it, I, I I'm not sure if that's deliberate, especially since Haunter in the Dark is one of the light, last stories you wrote.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but but they kind of supplemented Christianity by taking over the buildings.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that that is I was going to say it's it's a common theme in Lovecraft, as in like. Well, percentage wise, how many stories have this, how many stories have that? And like, oh, there's two right there. But um, yeah, no, and I, I feel like there's like almost like unspoken cults that are going on in Lovecraftian stories that we don't know about. We don't know about like Joseph Campbell was l- part of a large, I don't know, cadre of immortal wizards, but we don't know You mean Joseph Kerwin. Joseph Kerwin, what did I say, Joseph Campbell? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, Joseph Kerwin, um, and maybe uh, Joseph Campbell was a cadre, a part of a cadre of
1: larger
0: I, yeah, wizards. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think if we look at Joseph Campbell and who he hung out with, he did, was part of a large cadre of yeah. wizards. Anyway, so uh, Kerwin was friends with other immortal wizards out there we know this from his uh um his 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 uh, writings his um responses correspondence. correspondence thank you that was the word i was looking for we know this from his correspondence and there's a greater thing going on there and um i think like the yithians uh, when when uh, the shadow out of darkness, I believe it is. Uh, when what's his name is Sh- Shadow out of time. Shadow out of time. Thank you. So Shadow out of time. Uh, Professor uh, Peasley, I think it is. It's it's. I, I don't have any notes in front of me right now. I'm going out the top of my head. Uh, Peasley Uh, Gets taken over by a Yithian, travels the world, hangs out with other people who are into the Cthulhu mythos. And this is like something that's documented that he's, you know, going and beating people. There's got to be some sort of network that Yithians or these people, like, there's got to be some sort of network. And maybe not a cult necessarily, but maybe a cult of information, a cult of concept, uh, a philosophy almost, uh, regarding Deep Old Ones or Yithians or anything like that. Uh, Great Old Ones ones, not deep old ones, um,
1: but yeah, and, no, and, and, exactly. That sort of have the, their support network. Mm-hmm. I have at worships Yithians, yeah, and, and that's again my head canon and that's my role playing
0: game, definitely, and, and some yeah.
1: stories I wrote. But, but definitely, that the Yithians, the, the Ithians realize they're not gods. Mm-hmm. The Yithians got a really good idea what the universe really is, definitely. But they're willing to play up that they are godly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to strengthen their support network yeah 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 and, 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 and part of it on the Yithian side mm-hmm. it's easier to to explain to these simple-brained monkeys that that yeah were divine rather than try to teach them the true science that of time travel and nuclear power and things like that, that
0: the Yithians have. Yeah, yeah. And also, if you give, you know, monkeys power too early, they can blow everything up and then make it so that you don't have a place to hide somewhere in the 20th century. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is Yithians kind of messed something up and, you know, made it so they couldn't, uh, made it so that a good chunk of Earth's history was uninhabitable. Or maybe Narletha you know, that guy did it so that Yithians are... Who who knows? So, uh, let's... I wanted to move on to, uh, like, the Black Pharaoh and uh, Cult of the Bloody Tongue and all these uh, Nara Lethotep, or however you want to pronounce it. Your, your, vi- your mileage may vary with your pronunciations. Uh, um, now, you got a, a deity with a, a mask of a thousand faces, so you have at least... I don't know, that many cults.
1: (laughs) Uh, True. And and one sort of cult that Lovecraft that that we have not mentioned Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is um, witch cults. Yeah, yeah. Now, at the time, witch cults were sort of this anthropological, you know, they were studying it. So, so, um, Lovecraft is very much... So we've got witch cults, mm-hmm. uh, and we see that in covens. Uh, we see that you know the uh, we see that in uh, the dreamlands. Yeah. In the dreamlands, we see actual religions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this, uh, but there's definitely witch covens. That again, the difference between a coven and a cult. Mm-hmm. Is size okay? I, I mean, I, I think in the Lovecraftian work, the, the the covens are very small, um, a few witches. Sure. Where where the cults can be this world spawning, you know, worlds you know covering uh, religion. So we do see witch cults there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is sort of. There's this other sort of. Um, kind of assumed, but Lovecraft doesn't talk about possibly because Lovecraft is not comfortable with the subject Mm -hmm. is Shagnaroth. Yeah. And Shagnaroth, we don't get a lot about Shagnaroth, but she is basically the fertility goddess. A fertility goddess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what good is it to be a fertility goddess, if you don't have cults. Mm-hmm. And the closest we really see to one of it, and it's not Lovecraft and it's not expressively Shug Nugarov, is Robert E. Howard's Black Stone. Yeah. Where um, Godfrey, uh, uh, Godfrey, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: has that vision and these dreams and and I think even the the narrator also has dreams when he sleeps there of seeing what these primitive cults are yeah and again it's very important because you know churches change yeah real world religions change
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, even very sort of and and I don't mean this in a bad way but even you know There's there's definitely a difference between Christianity in 1000
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and in 2022. You know. Oh yeah. But because these have very, it's fiction, but fiction with a very Mm hands-on. The the cult, the, the the these deities, in many cases, try to keep it the same way. Yeah. So they're worshiping the same way these first humans, you, you know, first Homo sapiens to beat the Neanderthals worship, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, especially um Hotep, he's progressive. He he's willing to follow the trends in society. Oh sure. So if the new the the new trend in 1920s New England is fraternal societies. He's willing to running out of the fraternal society.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Where
1: where we get other ones, we get the feeling specifically kind of at least want to keep some of their cults. Sure. The same way as the old. Yeah. And I think Lovecraft did that too to show just how out of touch these people are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In their case, they know the reality. They know that there are these alien being creatures. Mm-hmm. They are real. But at the same point, they sort of reject the modern comforts. Uh, they, they live in the swamp, you know, they, they live on the islands, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. That they not be touched by the, the modern belief system. Yeah. But, but Lovecraft definitely mixed that up, because then you have the people in the festival who, you know, that they're just like any other 1920s, you
0: know, um, Massachusetts farmer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think they're Fisher's uh, Kingsport's uh, Ocean Town.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but I I got the impression that the guy he was staying with had a small farmer. Right oh.
0: Uh, I'll have yeah, to reread yeah. the festival. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the same thing. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Yeah, no, no. Something that I think is interesting about cults in the Cthulhu mythos is the cult of Cthulhu. Um, Like, if we just talk about, like, the more primitive aspects of the cult of Cthulhu, you have a Inuit tribe up north that worships Cthulhu, or Tulu. Uh, You have a group, I mean, you have sailors all throughout, roughly, that worship Cthulhu, a bunch of sailors uh, who, whose boat is found, uh, the alert, and I, I'm getting stuff all confused. And then you have the Louisiana uh, Swamp Cult, but one thing that these all have in common is they're close to bodies of water, they're all kind of like uh, like the sailors, sailors, can get too far, far up north. I mean, I, I I feel like the cult of Cthulhu of, of, of this variety is kind of like uh, the cult of Cthulhu of this variety is kind of like an ocean-going cult. It's 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 like everything spread by sailors. It's spread by people who hear the call, who see Ralier. Maybe they've seen bits of the bottom floor pop up and know who Dagon is and know that there's something that even Dagon worships. Um, I mean uh, I, I imagine like small tropical islands uh, far far up north arch- archipelagos uh, swamps that border uh, I don't know uh, maritime areas, stuff like that um, and 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 i don't know i i think that that that's like one kind of like thing for like you don't hear about cults of cthulhu in the appalachians you don't hear about i mean it's and and then that makes me go oh what about uh that 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 family that lived in that house and then those guys go and visit it and two of the guys die and they have like weird eyes and they burrow in the ground it's like uh well i can't remember the name of that one it's uh the lurkers no i can't remember. Do you know which one that is, Dave? The lurking fear. Lurking fear. The McKinsey kin. I'm not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking about the McKinseykin. kin. It's like, do what do the McKinseykin kin worship, or is it just kind of like this, like the the, the the family that have like the two different colored eyes and like burrow underneath the house now? It's like what do they worship anyway the Cthulhu cult I definitely think is kind of like a crazy amazing thing that's been going on for a long time and you know in the call of Cthulhu I know last week I said what if it's not real at all but you know for the sake of the story there is an I don't know a a a a cult that pretty much is on the water that worships a Being beneath the water, and that's that's pretty interesting.
1: So, so, and and part of that is Lovecraft read a lot of science, pseudo science. Yeah. Uh, And so there's an island that's not too far from where Riley's supposed to be, and it was uh, now I think it's called Pompeii, Mm -hmm. spelled Mm -hmm. Mm P-O-H-M-P-E-I, but back then it was Panape. Yeah. Um, and so there was a German anthropologist mm-hmm. that wrote things about the the cults of Pompeii mm-hmm. or or, or uh, Panapia, as I like to call it, back in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this very interesting thing that I think this I think that influenced Lovecraft's cult uh-huh. because there's this very interesting thing where there are large, what they thought were large um, pillars, basically, mm-hmm. that the people of uh, Panape would take into uh, the middle of the harbor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they would lay them um, uh, vertical. Mm-hmm. And so you have these almost these huge square rectangles that would be covered with um, seaweed. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And they also have these pyramids,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which are strange, but there was no writing. And this was actually to um, an eel god, a moray eel god. They would make canals so the eels could travel through the island. Oh, wow. Um, and so when Lovecraft is reading about this in this German anthropologist, it's this belief that they built these huge rafts, you know, and then lowered these pil- these rectangular pillars down. Um, but it turned out about ten years ago, they actually went and they did a bore through them, mm-hmm. and it's completely seaweed. Oh, it, and that the, the, they they just the way the water bounces off of this harbor, it makes them perfect rectangle shapes. Huh. And, and so um, I think there's a lot of evidence that if, I mean, Lovecraft obviously Lovecraft didn't speak German.
0: Mm-hmm. So he
1: didn't read the prima facie things about uh, Panapi and Panapi. So he didn't read the German science paper Sure. But at the same time, um, he read what people had written about them, mm-hmm. and I think that definitely had an influence yeah. on his uh, on Call of Cthulhu, or at least the the, the location, mm-hmm. the island cults. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah. Uh, Any other cults that we want to talk about or can think about right now?
1: Um, You know, I think most of the other cults that we're going to see really are uh, products of gaming Mm -hmm. or or probably best in gaming.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I want to say, with, like, I don't know, second, third, fourth generation, I don't know what generation of the Cthulhu, uh myth writing circle we're at currently but uh definitely uh there's uh, i want want to say in the 70s and 80s a fair amount about people writing about the cults and stuff like that if you if you uh track down like uh new cthulhu writer type stuff uh that came out you know people people that were influenced by hp lovecraft and Uh, block and everyone and anyway but uh you'll find a little bit more of that and definitely definitely more in the role playing uh keith herber i don't know is responsible for at least six cults that we uh we we generally talk about when we talk about cult of cthulhu because of masks of naralethotep and let's not forget about like whoever i can't remember who did uh uh horror um what is it um Horror on the Orient Express. Terror on the, the Orient. What? what oh, uh, the horror on the Orient Express. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I haven't
1: played. Yeah. I i i, I, I do not know much about that one. I'll admit.
0: You know, no spoilers, but there's 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 some cults involved, and yeah, um, but definitely there's there's a lot of different cults in the game Call of Cthulhu, and uh, even more, e- even different ones in Delta Green, and if there's any other. Uh, Call of Cthulhu-themed RPGs that I'm not sure of what they are. I'm sure there's even more. But yeah, yeah. um, We're hitting the half-hour mark here, so we are going to go into D&D on D&D after the interview. And Dave, who do we got for the interview this week? So we've
1: got a a very...
0: uh, I'm really excited about this interview. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, It is uh, Jesse D'Angelo. Oh, cool. And he's got a, a new book out that combines... Uh, Sort of 1980s sort of Miami Vice cupped with uh, Native American lore. Oh, cool. And it's called Pray to God, P-R-E-Y.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. And after that, we are going to talk about cults of Call of Cthulhu Cthulhu in your D&D and RPG And, hey, um, you know, it's the holidays and the holidays are rolling around and almost uh, it's going to be New Year's. One thing I gave a lot of people this year and I bought it myself. I didn't get some kind of super discount for talking about it. But Copper Cow, uh, Vietnamese pour over coffee. I gave some to my family. I gave a bunch to Sarah. Um, She's really enjoying the mocha. Uh, Which is just the regular coffee with a chocolate flavored condensed milk that comes along with it and the churro I love the churro. I want to give her some of the churro I've been sneaking it and keeping it all for myself in the studio, but I bought her a box, too so she's got that and I Don't know I I have to really highly recommend check out copper cow pour over coffee Um, and they also have like Bags of it that you can buy if you want to just brew your own coffee, but you want some really good Vietnamese coffee. So Copper Cow, check the show notes and you know check uh for other sponsors. Back to the show. Dave's. Dave's.
1: And we are back. Well, we, not me and DB, but we, me, Farmer Dave, and Jesse DiAngelo. Jesse, we are so glad to have you on the show today. Hey, David, how you doing? I am well. Um, so let's see, how are you doing? But a l- little bit more about you so our audience gets to, to know you a little bit better.
2: Well, I'm, I'm doing great and uh, I'm I just released my new book today, so I'm super stoked about that. And Congratulations! Yeah, just uh, just here to chat up with whatever you want to talk about—monsters and horror, or anything else. Farm animals—I know you're on the farm. I got some wild animals here myself, a couple cats. You, you,
1: you have uh, wild
2: felines? Yeah, I got a couple little divas here who who think they're like runway models. So. Yeah, they run the show here. They are descendants
1: of the goddess Bast, and you mere humans do not forget it. Exactly. Yes. So let's start off with your book. It's called Pray to God, but P-R-E-Y? Correct. So tell, tell
2: us about the book, but I love the title. Thank you. Um, well, it's a story about a group of people. Uh, Basically, enemies, uh, uh, some cops, some crooks, some uh, innocent bystanders who get themselves trapped together in a cave while uh, an ancient creature tries to get in and kill them all. And um, they're all enemies, but they're forced to work together to get out of this terrible situation. And uh, some of them have secrets, and um, some of them are good, some of them are not so good. And um, You know, the let's just say that the monster outside isn't the only monster in the story. So,
1: is it modern setting or what's what's the setting?
2: It takes place modern day in Arizona, and so um, it kind of everything starts with a drug deal out in the middle of the desert near the Grand Canyon, and uh, everything kind of goes south, and they they discover that they have wandered into the territory of this ancient beast and uh, then they're kind of screwed and stranded together. So uh, it's kind of a a horror adventure kind of story. And um, it's been on my mind for many years. The the original story, I wrote a short story when I was 12, which Mm -hmm. was the nucleus of this idea. And throughout the years, I kept kind of revamping it and evolving it, changing the characters, changing the plot around. Uh, I wrote it as a screenplay when I was like 19, then did a different version of it. So it's really kind of evolved. And um, this year is the first year that I really started pursuing my dream of becoming an author. Um, and this is now the fourth book that I've published this year. And when I was thinking of, you know, when I, after I finished the first three books, I was thinking, well, what should my next book be? And it just occurred to me that, you know, this story has been like burning a hole in my head ever since I was 12 years old, you know, one iteration of the story or another. So it was kind of like a no brainer to finally tell this story, tell it right the way that it should be and uh, and to do the art to go along with it. Um, and I think I pulled that off. I think I came up with, you know, the final version of this story and uh, the best way that it could be told. Um, So hopefully it should be, you know, suspenseful and horrific and disturbing and, and cool. So that's the aim. Excellent. And
1: Arizona, not only does it have all these incredible caves and cave systems that, you know, but it has a lot of, you know, Urban legends, but Native American— uh, I mean, Native American uh, beliefs and creatures and monsters. So you've got this incredible sandbox. Excuse the pun, being Arizona, but you got an
2: incredible sandbox to work with. Yeah, well, um, one of one of the chapters is actually called the Sandbox, and two of the main characters are uh, Native American tribal police officers. Right? Oh, excellent. So well, I am playing off of um, like the ancient films and uh, legends and whatnot. Uh, it's a fictionalized tribe, um, but it's still sure the classic like Mayan and Aztec legends and you know some revamped versions of the legends. Um, yeah, I'm I'm basically. Dropping the eclectic group of people into a blender and, and forcing them to have to deal with each other while one of those legends has come to life, basically. Excellent! I'm really excited about it. And you said we can get that on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon right now. Uh, it's on. It's in a print version and an ebook version and at some point in the future I'm, I'm moving towards going wide so hopefully I'll get it into Barnes & Noble and Kobo and Google and all the various other ways that people can access books uh, You know, I just want to get it and my other books out to as broad an audience as possible um, and this summer I, I've got a great narrator who's um, agreed to come on board to do the audiobook uh, Sean Dureger who's done oh great and um so yeah I'm just trying to get it into as many formats and into as many hands as possible and it's it's going and then and I'm already starting to think about the next book so you know I just want to write as many books as I can and get as good at it as I can so that's that's the goal right now excellent and and you're a in addition to an author you're a, a YouTuber right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about writing and, uh, horror, horror movies, horror books. Um, sometimes it's like a journal where I talk about my writing process. Sometimes I'll give, you know, writing advice and editing advice and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually not so good at, at, uh, video editing at the moment. So all of my videos are kind of just raw me talking and, uh, I've I've tried a couple times to get the right editing software and get someone to like you know do a little tutorial and I've sat down in front of YouTube and watched YouTube tutorials about it and, and I've so right now my videos are a little bit rough. Um, well, I'm you of, know uh, yeah, that's kind of nice that in years you can
1: in the future you can sit down and look at it and say oh look at how I improved so much.
2: Yeah, I hope so. No, this is an improvement over the last ones. Everything's custom. I, I did the cover myself. I did the interior illustrations. Um, I did the little chapter breaks in different fonts, and uh, I went all out with it with this one. So I'm I'm happy to see that it came out so well. I'm also working with a new editor, uh, Mason Hargis, who's uh, young and brilliant and way smarter than I am and knows his grammar inside and out um, so you know working with him uh, to make it as strong as it can be uh, just that alone has put it uh, above the other books I've done so I'm, I'm looking at my proof copy right now and I'm just so happy with it it's, it's just a professional product well, excellent, excellent. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm excited about. It. I'm gonna. I'm
1: definitely gonna order one out there because you know I, I I love horror. I love, you know, Native American legends and traditions. You know, it sounds
2: sounds great. Uh, other than Native America, what's some of your favorite horror? Um, well, right now my favorite author would probably be Robert McCammon. Um, yeah, he writes horror but also you know thrillers and mysteries and stuff he's just all around a great storyteller uh, obviously I'm a Stephen King fan um, he's not my all-time favorite but you know I've read several of his books and he's great uh, clever sure. great um, he, you know Darcy Coates she's she's new and she started uh, as an indie self-publishing author like me and she's gone on to become you know uh, award-winning Best-selling author, and she's she's been a real inspiration to me. And uh, I actually have gotten to chat with her a little bit on uh, an online chat room. And she's super cool. She always like responds to my letters and or my emails, I should say, and uh, is very gracious and generous with her. Oh, might, you
1: gotta you gotta love that. And, and
2: then of course, you know, you
1: think somebody does that for you. You want to you want to share it with others.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's, she's great, and I'm just she's a great writer and just a really cool person, and I'm just like feel really lucky that she gives me the time of day, you know? um, And another author, uh, not a horror author, but uh, Jack Carr, writes the the James Reese series. Uh, that's the one that they're shooting the TV. not a, I, I keep saying TV movie, but it's like a you know streaming a mini series. Uh, with Chris Pratt um, called The Terminal List. That's like the first of the books about a alien feel who is framed and people are trying to kill him and he has to go stop the bad guys. You know, the a political thriller. So it's not the kind of book that I would write, but it's a great thriller and a great series. And uh, a friend of mine actually got me in touch with Jack Carr. And, oh, excellent. Yeah, uh, And much like Darcy Coates, he's been you know, super gracious and nice to me and, you know, returns my letters and um, you know, he wants to see a copy of Pray to God. So I'm gonna send him one. So, you know, just just knowing that people like that even know my name and are the time of day feels great because I'm I'm still brand new at this. Um, so yeah, those those guys and any of those authors I just mentioned, I would highly recommend. Yeah, no, a- excellent
1: choices. Now, do you find, and sort pray to God, you know, obviously very Native American, it's got horror, but it sounds like it's also got a little bit of thriller or at least police story in it. Do you, you find the other things you want to bring into horror, other genres besides horror?
2: Yeah, well it's it's kind of like a horror adventure. You know, it's 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 almost like a Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of, you know, or Jules Verne kind of thing, although those lean more towards fantasy or sci-fi, but I mean this story, yeah, it's horror, but it's also like, Adventure where you know there's mm. gunfights and chases and you know this group of people has to like plunge into this ancient cave system where uh, there are the ruins of, of an ancient civilization and a lot of crazy shit happens you know and <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely got the the elements of action and thriller in there as well But maybe some sort of that come or
1: or sort of maybe incubated in the fact that you thought about making it into a screenplay?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it started as a short story when I was 12. Then when I was like 1920, it became a screenplay. And you know, a few years later I revamped the screenplay and made it a bit better. So, you know, I, I come from a film background and, and I'm a visual artist. So I'm always like picturing things as I write them. Uh, you know i'm imagining this as a movie as i'm writing it even as a book you know i have to i have to see it in my head i have to hear everything you know a lot of times i'll just close my eyes and imagine the scene as if i'm watching a movie where i'm you know hearing the sound i'm hearing music to go with it i'm, I'm seeing you know, how the creature is going to look and what the lighting is and you know getting into that mindset helps me actually write it and I mean, I say Robert McCammon is my favorite author right now, and part of the reason of that is that his writing is so cinematic. Uh, the first, the first book I read of his was Stinger, which is like our sci-fi action kind of book. And uh, boy, reading that book, it's like you're watching a movie. Like you forget you're reading a book. It just feels like the way he describes it, you can see everything, hear everything, feel it, you know. And and that's what I try to do with everything I write. I try to immerse the reader to the point where they forget that they're sitting reading a book and it feels more like they're watching a movie. Um, and amazing. And
1: yeah, I think those are the best books. They're the ones that sort of give you that vivid visual experience when you think about it.
2: Yeah. And it's a balancing act of between like how much you want to describe and how much you need to leave to the reader's imagination. So that they can you know fill in the blanks so you know that's uh that's where the craft comes in and you know i have i have a lot to learn and you know I, I intend to do this for many more years and i intend for each book to be a bit better than the last you know um and and that said i think this book is is my best so far and excellent i'm not just saying that i have really really happy with it. Um, but yeah, after a few more books, I'll probably look back on it and be like, eh. <laughs> so. So, so as we're slowly but surely
1: kind of running out of time here, our traditional question, though, we, we try to ask everyone this. If you were given to be in charge of any project, any creative project, any medium, don't have to worry about money and copyrights, don't worry about that. That's taken care of. What is your dream project?
2: Oh boy, <laughs> my, my whole, my, my whole life is, is a collection of dream projects. I have so many, you know, there, there's movies I'd love to make, obviously. Um, but right now since I'm focusing on books, uh, you know, I'll, 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 keep my answer to, to books. Um, I, I have a couple of books that I'd like to write. One of them would be like, a, like a big epic, you know, thousand page book, like, Stephen King's *It* or Robert McCammons Speaks the Nightbird I, I'd love to write something that's like long and epic but that I can also L-
1: like Dune or, or
2: Tolkien oh. yeah something something just huge and um, that I would also do the interior art for um like in this in this book I just finished, I did um, interior art, but not for every single chapter because you know I, I don't have the time I, you know I can't afford to just think and just draw. It would take me like a year and a half to do the art for every single chapter. But like my dream, if I got to do one of these epic books, is that you know I would do the art for every chapter and it would be you know as as detailed and and awesome as i imagine my head and that you know this one story in particular would would make a great you know like a dark tower you know some something big and long and epic and uh, yeah so that's that's one that i'm thinking about but i mean in in general right now it's not like one specific project that's like my dream like right now my dream is to just write as many books as I can and make them as good as they can be and make this a career that I can fully support myself on and, you know, not necessarily have to be a best-selling author or sell millions of copies or anything like that, you know, but, you know, the dream is that I can actually just support myself with my writing and, you know, have some level of fan base and, you know, just have a library or a catalog of books you know under my belt so kind of well, you definitely, you're definitely seem to be on your way I'm trying man I'm trying you know it, it ain't easy but I'm doing it and again uh, now I know
1: your current uh, um, uh, Pray to God is going to be in uh, Amazon uh, Can we, where can readers find you on YouTube or any other uh, projects you've done
2: uh, well, on YouTube, my, my little show is called Storytime with Jesse. And um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you know, I've, I've worked in the film industry. So if you really want, you can look me up on IMDB. And, you know, I've got some art credits and a few acting credits when I was a little kid and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, nothing nothing huge. And I'm not really, like going full full on into the YouTube either like I was doing it one, but now I've kind of cut down on that trying to just focus on the writing and um, sure no writing takes a lot of effort a lot of time yeah so but no people People trying to do press like uh, you know talking to you talking to anybody else who, who wants to talk to me and uh, just spreading the word around so people know my stuff is out there you know that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on our show and as we get closer to the new year hopefully we're going to be able to have you on again sometime uh, in 2022. Yeah, that'd be my pleasure. Thank All you so much. All right, is this it? Um, I think I think that's a really good interview.
0: Once again, for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, you can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Here's me and Dave talking about cults from Call of Cthulhu and the Lovecraftian uh, shared universe. Dave, what do you got?
2: Well,
1: you know, if you're doing a fantasy role-playing
0: game, uh-huh, yeah,
1: it, it's just assumed, you know, religions are real. Gods yeah. are real.
0: gods are real, correct?
1: Because otherwise, you know, why could the clerics be able to do healing spells and blade barrier spells, and mm-hmm. you know, all these things? So, so cults are are, are real. Cults are just more secretive. Mm-hmm. That that for the some reason they they do human sacrifice, or they yeah. they're that for some reason they're just. Have to be secret or, or died out. Sure, I sure. Historically, there there were mystery cults. I mean, oh, definitely. You know, mystery cults were a real thing that kept their their you know rituals secret for one reason or mm-hmm. another. So, um, the thing that I think that really Five E gives you, though, yeah, is, is that. You don't necessarily have to have a cleric of Cthulhu mm-hmm. when you got the warlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War, the the warlocks, the Eldritch Warlocks, and the, they even have like a deep, you know, they definitely put a lot of mythos <laughs> into the, the 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 five E Warlock. Sure, yeah. Which, which the four the three E Warlock came out like in the middle of the three e period. Mm-hmm. And they were, they went to, like, school and, and trained, and I think there was, but it's definitely, you know, you might as well call, just call it uh, an, an eldritch warlock occultist.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, big fan of the warlock. Haven't played one, but I like, I like, I like what they're about. Um, something I was... They,
1: they even have a celestial warlock, which is like an alternative... To where you got like a personal angel guide instead of gods?
0: Oh, that's cool. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah, no. Uh, something I was thinking about is like if you did a campaign kind of like uh, Simbad. You know, not 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 the comedian, but uh, the the subject of uh, several Ray Harryhausen films. But yeah, no, if if you did kind of like a Simbad thing, and you're on the sea a lot, and you know you've got little islands here and there, and maybe some of the islands are occupied by Chocho, Cho and some of the o- islands are occupied by Deep One hybrids, and you know you have cultists of Cthulhu and. Uh, other sailors or pirate types that worship Cthulhu, or heck, you might even get a fancy galleon of, uh, I don't know, um, Haster uh, (laughs) (laughs) worshippers with pale, uh, you know, more pale than white (laughs) sails. (laughs) Anyway, like a pale yellow (laughs) sails, or you know.
1: (laughs) And the game that really is set up for that... Uh is the Modiphius Conan. In fact, Uh-oh. they have an entire book dedicated to the cults. Interesting. Because the Luke Cole has, uh, especially, of course, uh, one of the main evil cults uh-huh. in um, in the Conan story is Set. Yeah. You know, and basically, you know, yeah, so Set is kind of a, a an evil version of, of Yig. Yeah, and that. So, but there's a whole book dedicated on how to run um, adventures as cults or against cults, and then so if you wanted to play sort of maybe not a full cultist, but a sort of a spiritual sort of fringe, they have things like pilgrim, uh, and, and so it, yeah. If you're going to run a, a cult campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely have suggest checking
0: into uh, Modpheus's uh, current Conan b- books. Cool. That sounds really, really neat. Yeah, no. Uh, something I remember is like, and maybe you can help me on this. It's like, this is like a vague memory of my childhood. But reading National Geographics and having them talk about, like, cults of like the roman era of like death cults and stuff like that and i remember thinking that when i started playing DD of being like oh wow you can like have a huge city and the city's so big that people don't know that underneath the wine merchant there's an evil cult that worships like murderers <laughs> And that's something that you could definitely do in like your uh your your Greyhawks and your your uh, water deeps and your even your Mesobranzians or uh, I don't know if I even said that right, but you know, your drow city could have a have a secret cult to something that, you know, people go, Wait a minute. That's like worse than Loth and we're drow, Drow, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, uh, but then again, if, if it's my campaign, they don't worship Loth, they worship Natcha. And uh, you find out that maybe beneath there is a cultist of Thagwa that doesn't even care about your city and is undermining it as we speak. But yeah, that, I don't know. Uh, any other ideas that you've got, Dave?
1: Well, even that, you could have um, you know, you could have sort of this idea of, you know, the Marvel Universe, where, where Shield is being, uh, you know, taken over by Hydra. Sure, you yeah. could have you could have you know your your Church of Zeus or mm-hmm. Pelinor. Yeah, and then there could be like a few people who found like, uh, you know, Cthulhu worshiping and stuff. You know, inside the body of
0: the the main church. Oh yeah, 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 and and and. Anytime you've got, uh, like, modern cities, you've got churches, but you've also got sewers, and you've also got, like, subterranean areas and such. And, uh, like, the movie... Have you ever seen John Carpenter's uh, Prince of Darkness? I'm familiar with it. Okay. Well, they have the cylinder that contains God in the basement. (laughs) Um, But what, what if you have, like, a major, major metropolitan area, like... New York or uh, Rome, ancient Rome, uh, has a lot of sewers. Paris has the catacombs, and that's where your cults live, in the darkness. You know, that, 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 that will have to force your players to go in two places. You know, say you have a cult. First part is you want to find out who the cult is. You want to figure out uh, what they're up to. And then lastly, how to get rid of them and stop them from doing what they're doing. Uh, generally, in the last part, stopping them from doing what they're doing, you have to go to either their home turf and stop them on on their home turf or then go to some place where it's, like, a bunch of cultists out in the open, and then you have to, you know, these are options when, like, dealing with your... finally dealing with your cult in your campaign. Uh, Generally, then, after that, you have to, you know, people are like, oh, fight a big monster, or... anyway. um, But if you have to go fight a cult make it as difficult for your players as possible put it in a sewers put it in an underground labyrinth that no one knew about underneath the city of pittsburgh Um, (laughs) dilapidated uh, underused subway system from los angeles that's no longer being used that You know, I mean, uh, old rail lines here and there. There's there's a lot of things you can do with old sewers. Whole underground city in uh, Seattle that you could use. Uh, You've got steam tunnels underneath Portland. San Francisco has like all that uh, stuff from the earthquake. And uh, anyway, there's there's like so many different things. All cities have all kinds of like deep underground secrets, and all cities. Like, look up your city right now. Look up the closest metropolitan city and start looking at turn of the century crime, like nineteenth century crime, eighteenth century crime. If you live in Europe, you know that your your, your town, your city, your whatever has history. Um, if you're in so, a
1: so a little bit of off, but I'm, I'm going to start. Sure. Show the story there. Go for it. So, my father worked as a manager for a security company. Yes. And this was in the 90s. Um, And he hired a guy who was just an old, retired phone guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this was in Oxnard, California. Uh, And you wouldn't think of it, but in the 30s and the 40s, Oxnard had a Chinatown. Yeah. And he said that he was, this guy was, you know, he was fresh, you know, journeyman. And he was hired by the Tongs to run phone systems Mm -hmm. in this underground basically gambling dens where the the Oxnard Airport is now (laughs) so that that if the cops came in, Mm -hmm. they could call and warn everybody out. So, but the thing is there's almost no record of this. So even this city and and nearby city Ventura we have found some Mm -hmm. but even, you know, this city, most people, ninety nine point nine percent of people live there, didn't know there was an underground city.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, here's here's an example that I'll use from my uh, personal life that is the exact opposite. At one point in time, I lived in Iceland, and the uh, place that I lived at one point in time, um, the person who rented the house to me said, "Oh, um, and just to let you know." Uh, when it gets cold and you don't have to worry about this because it's not going to be that cold but if it gets too cold that we can't uh, open up the ground uh, we store bodies in the basement here uh, until springtime. And (laughs) my bedroom had the uh, doorway to the basement but there was also an outside entrance to the basement and I was told that there used to be people who met to uh, pray over the bodies and stuff like that and then i had like just like weird visions of a cult of like people praying over mm-hmm. frozen bodies in the basement and it and and this was just like you know what happened in a town of like 900 people in the west fjords of Iceland. It was just where they stored bodies and where people prayed. But my brain, because of all the RPGs and horror movies and stuff, my brain went to like, oh, great, some sort of ghoul cult. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that could, and actually I'm thinking about it, and it wasn't even a town of 800, it was a town of maybe 400. and it was in, like, the shadow... It was in an avalanche shadow, so it was, like, reducing, like, monthly. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, you can do cults all kinds of places, and you can base cults, like... Like, I mean, it, it makes sense to have, like, um, a cult that worships... Uh, I don't know, uh, the noki or, or, or I'm trying to think of... Uh, I don't know, Wendigos or or, or, or uh, frosty Cthulhu mythos type entities like, uh, you know, above the Timberline in places like Alaska, Iceland, Greenland. Mm-hmm. But then again, it makes sense to worship uh, things like Cthulhu if you're on an island, if you're here, if you're there. Uh, maybe you're high status, high society. So, you know, and the people that you are going to meet are not going to be worshiping of Cthulhu. They're going to be worshippers of maybe uh, Narlethotep or Haster or uh, maybe some fancy clockwork version of Yog Sothoth, or uh, some sort of eyes wide shut Shub Uh I don't know. Uh, any thoughts, Dave?
1: Well, the, and the, there's always the thought that you know that's how the rich and the royals stay. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: you know, and we even see some of that you know, and uh, the ideas of the the French uh you know, that mm-hmm. they are that they are divine. Yeah. You know, that that in fact all royalty was, you know, started out as we have the divine right. Yeah. And so you know, there could be that's how the rich stay rich, is that they have this secret cult they meet in their mansions and they sacrifice you know a virgin under the full moon so that the stocks will go up
0: yeah yeah
1: the other thought is well you know we think cult's bad but what if it's a good guy cult what if it's a cult of monster killers you know yeah monster hunters you know and it it's your your you know sort of Charlie's angels, but Charlie, some sort of divine god that sends messages that says, "Go out and you know, find these monsters."
0: Yeah, maybe uh, I don't know. I, this kind of stuff I always like to. There's 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 certain uh, mythos entities I like to use more than others. Um, I tend to use Clark Ashton Smith entities to be the good guys <laughs> if I'm gonna do that. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna Lumley or. Uh, yeah, if I'm gonna lumley up my stuff, I'm 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 gonna use Clark Ashton Smith characters to be good guys. But I haven't done that kind of thing since I was like 13. <laughs> but yeah, um, you can always have. Oh, like, and, and
1: it could be, it could be that the cult
0: is evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just
1: that the monsters that you're fighting are more evil than the players.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Or,
1: or the, the, they're just neutral. It's you know. Nodens, I think Nodens is a is a good one. Yeah, Nodens yeah. is the hunter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've know? I've generally used Nodens, uh, Sathagua and Cha to be my like positive, like not straightforward. Like maybe they're like, hey, I have stuff here. Please don't destroy the Earth. Figure out a way to keep this stuff here. I don't want to have to go back to Saturn.
1: Are um, you yeah, familiar with a, a comic book called Fall of Cthulhu?
0: No, no, I am not.
1: So, so the 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 cult of nodens in this, mm-hmm. that they have no problem killing bystanders. Sure, yeah. You get in the way, they'll kill you. Okay. The, but so, but they're not. They don't kill. They're hunters. Yeah, yeah. They're they're hunters. They're they hunt the 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 things of Cthulhu.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but if a human gets in the way, well, that's so, yeah. well, that's your problem. So they're not. Good people, mm-hmm. but you know. So I think I think Nodens, you know, and, and because Nodens or Orion, mm-hmm. you know, Orion the Hunter, yeah, you could make a a, uh, a cult of Nodens. that doesn't have to be, you know, the good guys' morals. Mm-hmm. Their, their their alignment is kill the enemy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, they're, they're true neutral. They're an assignment or neutral lawful and that they follow the hunting gill rules. So they're not necessarily good people. Yeah. But but what they're what they're hunting kills more
0: innocents. Or something I just thought of is what if you had like a Blackwater type group that worships nodens that the United States government is getting a little bit nervous about. So your Delta green team is like, I don't know. That's, that's just like uh, I think- a smashed up summary right there. There'd be a lot more to it, but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe in your modern call of Cthulhu game, there is a cult of Notons that everyone's like, not sure if they're good or bad, but they have, Heavy artillery, and they're willing. You know, they they helped you that one time. Maybe they'll help you again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the concept of like a group of academics that uh, I don't know uh, have like a chunk of Harley Warren's uh, or or uh, of of some some something that Harley Warren written had written down, and you know, are like, oh yeah, hey, this is. Uh, this is this is how we're gonna fight stuff from here on. Or what if you have a group of mathematicians that have uh, Wilmerth's books and are not Wilmerth? Um, Gilman, Gilman. Thank you, Gilman. Gilman. Uh, you know, you have a group of people that have Gilman's old books and you know have figured out how to use it and are you know making deals with Narlethotep in that one chamber that they can look down and there's little ornaments of anyway, elder things and um yeah, no, no. What if you get a group that starts worshiping uh, you know (laughs) uh Kaziah Mason and Arletha Tep and all that other fun stuff because they found Gilman's notes. And, you know, you could have uh scientist collectives finding um I don't know uh herbert west stuff Uh, you could you you could get like um gentlemen's groups you could get uh masonic orders you could get just kind of like uh what seems like a uh i don't know after school kids club uh you could there's like any any kind of organization can hide itself as a cult a cult could even hide itself as something that it's not, pretending to be a cult because what they're actually doing is far more t- <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even so, know. What so that no, would you know, you got like
1: the esoteric order of the Dagon. Yeah, yeah. Dagon. It's got a front, public-facing front,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and then the secret stuff. You know, the bottom of the iceberg.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And and you know, if you've watched any hbo showtime specials on cults that have come out in the last couple years like whether it be tiger king or Nixium, uh there's there's there's, oh shoot they show you how to do it (laughs) but yeah no and uh you you can watch those shows and go oh okay you know what i could probably base a uh a swamp called off of Joe Exotic. That would be easy.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> the t-
1: Tiger, King, Tiger King is absolutely an examination
0: of cults in America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's like everyone who owned tigers in that what ha- had a different way of doing it, but it was, it seemed like a cult in, yeah. And it, it, it seemed like cults aimed at different social classes too. And it was, it all seemed very effective. Um, And, you know, like Tiger King, you had like a cult that, you know, uh, more or less a a woman who got the public to come in and help um, like all the time, like, you know have to turn people away and then you have someone who preys on people coming right out of prison uh right you know people dealing with social situations that are beyond their control people who are in need preying on people who are in need and then you have i can't even remember the guy the guy who rides on the elephant and yeah and who preys on like women who he makes it a harem yeah he makes it a harem and he preys on women uh, he he has like this weird narcissism. They all have a weird narcissism. I think that has something to do with cult. Anyway, but if you haven't seen Tiger King, watch this stuff. But it you definitely get the idea. It's like three different cults of. They're all very similar in certain ways, and they're all very different in very very different ways. And then you get things like Nexium, and if you watch that, it's like there's a public front and then there's like all these splinters and then like all these splinters kind of splinter down to another thing that's like even you know it's just like there's a public face and all that public face is like self interest by all the people and so many people turning their backs and their eyes onto whatever else is going on because they don't want to lose the money that they're making they don't want to lose the social power that they get from this networking and it's not until like things become public that people are like yeah maybe i shouldn't have been a part of that (laughs) and i don't know I, i i think um there's 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 a lot of interesting documentaries out there on cults but yeah it's 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 you could just kind of like figure out what your campaign is based off of your cult or base your campaign off of Your campaign, and then try and like your campaign setting, and go. I want to set something in this time period, this social economic group, and these 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 things I want to happen, and then be like, oh well, who would prey on these people? How would they do it? And what's the big bad terrible thing overall? Those are two ways that I think about it. Do you have uh, any 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 input? So
1: maybe one more thing before we close. Sure and that is especially for modern campaign. Yeah. The corporation as a cult. Oh, yeah. And, and we see that um, really well in in Angel in and Wolverine Heart. Yeah. Where it turns out it's really, you know, the Wolfram Heart cult. Um, but that uh, and, and you see that thing, especially, maybe not as much now, but like when uh, Roger and me came out, where these people really believed that their company and their CEOs <laughs> believed in them. I, um, or, or, or believed in them and, and cared about them.
0: I, I, I will talk about another uh, personal experience that I had where I worked at a company that there was a cult within but it was like an open cult and everyone who is a part of this company is aware of the fact that they are a part of this cult it is a shoe wear company in oregon that i legally can't i signed a lot of ndas so i can't say its name when i talk about it um but anyway people will have like the uh logo of this company tattooed where the design would appear on a shoe or the name of the company on their foot where the logo or the name of the company would appear on the shoe. Um, like a lot of branding, like, like not, not branding, like rawhide, uh, heated metal branding, but like a lot of like tattooed branding on like Hmm. feet and ankles. um, but also it just kind of this cult of personality of like making this place your whole life and your whole lifestyle and like only wearing products from this company even though like when you're on the campus which is a huge huge um multi-million dollar campus state-of-the-art uh you can't get into anywhere unless you have like you know a pass or anything oh shoot I think I just broke part of my NDA um but everyone's just like insane about this place and celebrates it and gives all of their family members. I know I mean, uh, there's there's like and people like, well, if I worked for a company like that, I, I, I'd i be super happy. And it's like, but I've, I, I know people who work at another um, shoe company that's also in Oregon, that is Adidas and they're not lunatics. They are not lunatics like this other place in Beaverton. And it's like, while I worked there, it was kind of scary how how fanatical people were about the founders of the company and also the products and what the company's doing. Even though the company had a lot of history of child labor and pollution, and the pollution never gets talked about because generally um, they try and push out the child labor so people talk about the child labor and not the pollution problems. Anyway...
2: And, and, well,
1: yeah, and I was, well, yeah, no, no, I was going to say, too, let's say you, commerce is not a modern thing. So, yeah, that would be great for a Call of Cthulhu modern, you know, great Call of Cthulhu um, 1920s, where where the Robert Barons, they had private armies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you could go even farther. Maybe it turns out that the merchants' guild mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. made up of cultists.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Say, so, say so you have like, uh, what was it called? The uh, the what plot where uh, a bunch of World War One Marines were supposed to uh, like be take over, you know, help take over. Uh, America in any for oh man, I can't can't remember what this, it it happened in like 1919 or 1920 and a bunch of people like, Oh man, the business plot or I'm trying to remember the name of this, but it was pretty much like, uh, the richest tried to get a bunch of, um, soldiers to do their bidding. And they're like, no, we love our country. We're not going to give it to a bunch of uh, businessmen. Um, But you could do that with your merchants in Waterdeep. You could do that with, you know, have a cult that like, you know, say you have a major war uh, that ended like two, three years ago and you have a city full of you know war veterans uh what if a cult tries to take advantage of that and uh tries to take over a kingdom or a city state or a region with uh the remnants of a war that maybe they lost maybe they just have like i don't know maybe they won and you know they just don't have all the money that they needed to pay the veterans so you have all these like uh uh, ex-soldiers that are building camps around Waterdeep or something like that because they're still waiting for the gold that they were promised and then some merchants go hey we'll pay you gold but you got to do this stuff and how did the merchants get this money from worshipping deep ones who gave them the gold anyway I don't know there's there's a ton of stuff you can do
1: no absolutely and, and, and I think that you can just you can move it from time zones, I mean time periods that maybe you didn't expect, mm-hmm. such as you know, you know, you know, uh, a love of money cult, and, and you know your D and D game,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, a Ponzi scheme in your cyberpunk. That <laughs> no, But as soon as you start talking about corporations, I was like, oh man, this is how how to bring Call of Cthulhu into cyberpunk is you have. A megacorp that is instead of uh, ran by a dragon uh, is ran by someone who's actually an avatar of a great old one, or you know is 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 like a great old one in disguise or something like that, or you know uh, a cult within a megacorp, like say your research and development team. Uh, That's supposed to be doing genetic uh, manipulation so that you can produce soy uh, that is uh, able to grow in sub-Saharan Africa or Siberia or something like that. But what they're actually doing is trying to build a suit of armor made out of shoggoths. You know, stuff like that. You're like, what? (laughs) That's not soy. but some weird biomass. But anyway, I think... This episode is going to be hard to edit, Dave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I will leave that up to you. Thank you so much. And you can hire out cultists.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's that's the plan. I was going to go on Fiverr and uh, search for cultists. Anyway, everyone, we wish you a happy new year as it is December 30th. And uh, Dave, any plans for the new year in Oleander?
1: I plan on making it through this year if it kills me. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) that's 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 a good plan uh my 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 plan was um i don't know build more guitars i don't have any new year's resolutions but i do have a resolution to end this episode dave thank you so much for being part of people's guide to the cthulhu mythos yet again and thank you everyone for listening to that awesome interview dave dave it did and thank you for listening for us to talk about uh, Cults in the Cthulhu Mythos, Copper Cow Coffee, Vietnamese over is the sponsor of this episode. Check out our other sponsors. Go to PGTTCM.com. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your ma, tell your pa, ship me down to Sothagua. Shirt is available in the shop. Anything else before we uh, trudge off into this snowy day, Dave?
1: Nope. Just uh, be careful if you're joining cults.
0: Yeah. And uh, be well, everyone. Oh, Dave, uh, before we shut off, I want to say hay to your goats or raisins to your goats.
1: Well, thank you. My (laughs) goats uh, take your hay and they will raisin it up to milk.
0: All right. Cool.
2: See you later, everyone. Bye.